Loving Lord, bless us as we study your word. You've promised for your spirit to be with us. And so we pray that you'll lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the subject of uh, adornment or jewelry or those things has come into question recently. And one of the problems that contributed to that is that at the general conference meeting of, uh, of all the representatives, the issue of the wedding ring came up. And the reason it came up is because in some countries, uh, women who don't wear wedding rings are considered to be uh, bad ladies. And in some places, if you are with a lady and she happens to be your wife and you're not wearing a wedding band, you cannot go into a hotel. They will not allow you to rent the hotel. Okay? All right? It, it happens that way in some places. So because of that problem... Mrs. White had written concerning the, the wedding band that in cases like that, don't make an issue of it. But that the band should be a very simple band. Okay? In other words, that, and then she says, in America, we don't have that problem, so we cannot use that excuse. But in places where you have that issue, don't trouble the people who have to go. They have to deal with their own conscience on that. Or basically, that's the issue. But the question of adornment is, is, uh, goes back to the Bible. So we start way in the beginning. In the beginning, uh, we know that, that there were jewels in Eden. There were what? Jewels. Did you know that there was jewelry in Eden? Jewels or jewelry? Jewels. Jewels. Huh? Is that big No, no. Literal. Look, read uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and you see... That it speaks about gold, speaks about what? Gold. gold, and it speaks about some jewels. That was the name of all the jewels. And let me explain this to you, that in the beginning, these things were not on the people, they were on the ground. Where? On the ground. God is a beauty, is a lover of beauty. And just as flowers are beautiful, birds are beautiful, he also made beautiful stones. And so the purpose of it all was to uh, bring pleasure to our eyesight because since God loves beauty, he wants us to also be blessed by those things which are beautiful. What do you say? Amen. And I'm grateful. Uh, you know, I have to be honest with you. I grew up uh, in, uh, in the asphalt jungle of New York City, and uh, I couldn't understand why... People would say, oh, isn't that a beautiful tree? I would say, what's wrong with that person? What's beautiful about that tree? I couldn't see any beauty in any of that stuff. However, when I became converted, something happened to my eyesight. All of a sudden, I began to see beauty in trees and in flowers and all that, okay? So that's why I said beauty is in the eyes of what? Or I should be better said beauty is in the, the lack of beauty is in the eyes of the blind. All right? Okay. So... In Genesis chapter 2, you find then that there, is, there are jewels. Now, uh, let me see something. Maybe I pressed the wrong one. I did. So this one is the one that should take place. Okay. Uh, so, in Eden, the jewels and gems were on the ground, not on the people. And that's an important point to remember. Because in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, is the creation. And in the new creation, we have the same thing. We have uh, the presence of 
jewels in the new be, uh, beginning. However, when men fell, he lost his covering of purity. His clothed, uh, he clothed himself with fig leaves. Now, I should say this to you, and I've spoken to some artists who always paint Adam and Eve stricken in the garden. You know what I mean? Okay. And I've talked to some of our painters, and I said, why do you do that? Oh, because it's difficult to explain it to people. I said, it's not difficult at all. It is clear that it doesn't say that, that man and woman are naked. It says the man and his wife are naked. Is there a difference with that? Mm -hmm. What's the difference? Marriage. Turn to Genesis. I Some of you. I don't see the difference. Huh? I don't see the difference. Well, just a minute. Turn to Genesis, chapter well, I two. Which which Bible? Andrew's study Bible. Is that the the, the, the Bible, or is that Andrew's? That's Andrew's study comments on the passage. That's not the Bible. Comments from people are not the Bible. Neither are your comments. You're correct, but I'm not asking you to listen to my comments. I'm asking you to go to the Bible. Go where? To the Bible. To the Bible. So look at the Bible. Then look at the Bible. And look at the last few verses. The last few verses, what does it say? Chapter 2. And the last few verses, what does it say? And, the, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay. The man and his wife. wife. All right. And they were not ashamed. And this is marital language. It is what? Marital language. And so what else does it say there? Therefore shall a what? Huh? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Okay, so it doesn't say the man and the woman were naked. It says the man and his wife, wife were naked. Okay? And the spirit of prophecy, by the way, my brother, supports my position. It says very plainly that they were not running around naked. That they, were close, with, that they were close with light. They were close with what? Well, I'm saying, she says that they were clothed with light. The light is transparent. Pardon me? Sure. Light is not a fabric. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that when you, when you consider light, light can cover a person. Do you know? Okay. Do you do you know that that all of us have light? We are light. No, but I'm saying all of us. Uh, look, during the during the war, when I was in uh, during the Vietnam War, one of the things we had to be careful of was that we had to be able to hide ourselves at night because the body gives us a certain amount of infrared. Infrared light, okay, that can be picked up, and if you were not careful and they picked up your infrared lighting, they could just aim at that infrared lighting and kill you. So it was important for us to understand that even though you could not see the light, those who had the special equipment could, all right? So we are alive today because we recognize that you follow good counsel, 
Another thing that we were told was that you shouldn't smoke at night because you light can be seen at a great distance. At what? Great distance. And because light can be seen at a great distance, the soldiers didn't think they could be seen because there's just a little light, right? But at night, you can see that light for a long, long distance. And all they had to do is aim at that little light and shoot and kill whoever was smoking. So there's no question that, that uh, light is more than what we think. You had your hand up. Yeah, the interesting thing is that it says that God is clothed with light. God is what? Clothed, clothed with light. light. Okay, a garment of light. So, anyway, we uh, that language in in Genesis has to do with marital language. And in fact, Jesus later on in Matthew chapter nineteen addresses that particular marital language by saying, "Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife; they twain shall be one flesh." And Jesus is using that, quoting that, because the rabbis got to the place where they thought they can give a bill of divorcement. And Jesus said, not so. Do you not know that from the beginning they were made male and female? And so the idea is that when a man and wife are together, they should not be ashamed in their nakedness. That's the idea. Okay? And when you think about it, think about it. In the new heavens, how will people be dressed? What does the Bible say? Clothed with light. It says they, they will be clothed with a robe of righteousness what does that mean we'll study that but let's continue okay God then clothed Adam and Eve with what what's interesting is this that they as a husband and wife didn't need to be ashamed but when they sinned whatever covered them disappeared and they realized that they were what naked and immediately what did they do they sought to replace with their own garment that which had been taken away. But God was not satisfied with that, and so God then clothed them with a, a garment of skin. And so this garment was a little bit more, or should I say much more covering than the garment that they chose. Uh, an apron doesn't cover much. Is that true? But a coat from shoulder down to the, to the uh, heels does cover much. So they were covered with coats of skin. Now, gold and silver then uh, were in the beginning, but they began to be introduced in, in the beginning of the Bible. So let's turn to Genesis 13 and verse 2. Genesis 13 and verse 2. In Genesis 13, verse 2, we, we see then that the, the, the jewels or the gold and the silver, etc., that were first in the ground, began to be used uh, for the purpose of exchange. Uh, are you there? Chapter 13, verse 2. And Abraham was what? Very rich in what? Cattle and what else? In silver and in gold. So now... That which was on the ground began to be used as a means of wealth. As a means of what? Wealth. So the more cattle you had, the more silver you had, the more gold you had, the more wealthy you were. So the Bible says that Abraham was very rich, which means he must have had quite a lot of uh, gold and quite a lot of silver. All right? 
And in chapter 44, let's turn to chapter 44 and verse uh, 8, chapter 44 and verse 8, in Genesis there, chapter 44 and verse 8, uh, chapter 44 and verse 8. Notice again, are you there with me? Yeah, All right. Uh, in chapter 44, but behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? So what does silver or gold began to be called? Money. So they were riches, but now they're what? Money. They're what? Money. They began to use silver and gold as a means of exchange. You gave gold and silver for food or for raiment or for whatever. So now the gold from the ground is now being used as money. Okay. <coughs> then it, it goes beyond being used as money. Uh, jewels then would begin to use as valuables. As what? Valuables. And began to be made in fashion into what we call today jewelry. What do we call it? Jewelry. Jewelry. Okay. Which means then that the people used to keep their money in sacks and used to bury it in the ground and all that. Now they're beginning to fashion it into something that they can wear. So there, there are many countries that you go to today that love gold. You'll see that they wear all sorts of chains and all sorts of bracelets and all sorts of, of uh, means of showing how wealthy they are by what they wear. So jewelry then, or jewels, became money, and then finally it became jewelry, or what we call ornaments, okay? But it was valuable. For example, when Abraham's servant went to get a wife for Isaac, one of the ways that he wowed the the, the uh, family of Rebecca was by bringing out sacks of what? Jewelry. Okay. Huh? He gave, he, he gave all sorts of things. All right. So uh, there was, there was uh, jewelry that was being used now to uh, uh, buy uh, influence, etc., and the way that the man demonstrated that he came from Abraham was by having all this wealth and giving it to Rebecca's brother and the family and all that. So now jewelry was being used uh, as a bargaining chip as well. As a what? Bargaining chip. So now it's money, it is riches, and now it is adornment. Okay? But it's also gifts. It's also what? Yes. Gifts. So they are now using jewelry as gifts. All right. So as you follow through, then finally jewelry became what? Gods. And so if you look at Genesis 35, look at Genesis 35. Notice what it says there in Genesis 35. The Bible says then that Jacob was told by God to go to Bethel to worship to build an altar. So God said, go to Bethel and build an altar 
uh, because that's where I met you when you were fleeing from your brother. All right, so Jacob then turns around and tells his family that they're going to go and worship Bethel. By the way, the word Bethel means the dwelling of God. What does it mean? Dwelling of God. The word Beth means dwelling or house of. For example, Jesus was born in Beth Lachem, which means that he was born in the house of bread. He was the living bread. Okay? So Bethel was, it's interesting that when Jacob had that vision coming from uh, the ladder coming down, Jacob then thought that he was in the actual location where heaven communicated with earth, where there's a ladder, and that the people from heaven came down that ladder down to the earth. So he said, I did not know that I was in the dwelling place of God. So he called it Bethel, all right? Now, he's coming back, and he's fearful for his life because of his brother, who was still angry. And so God says, I want you to go back to the place where you met me, all right? And he erected an altar to worship. So Jacob then tells his family, uh, verse 2, And Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Put away the, the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. So three things. Put away the what? Strange gods, change your garments, and be clean. All right? Three things. Which is interesting because when God finds us where we are, he doesn't leave us as we are. His purpose is to bring and change us. But if we're going to follow God, one of the first things that I got convicted about when I was in show business and I had that experience with God in that apartment, I remember immediately realizing that music to me had become a God. I had not one Bible study. I had no, no uh, information on that subject. It was the Spirit of God. Later on, I understood how the Spirit of God worked. The Spirit of God convicted me that music had become to me a God. All right? And so the first thing I had to do was be willing to put away my God. <laughs> and what I did, I'm thankful I did, because all the boys that were with me are dead. Okay, so I'm thankful that I was willing to give it up. They weren't. All right, so jewelry became God's. And so then, here's, here's the text. Let us arise, go to Bethel, I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their what? In their hand. Now please understand that this must be not something they had in their hand. In other words, they didn't just come to Jacob all, all carrying their gods in their hands. You understand? You hear what I'm saying? They came to Jacob, and Jacob said, you need to put away the strange gods. Now, what's interesting is that they understood what that meant. So they put away the strange gods. Notice it says, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their what? Earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. So now then, Jacob understands that one thing you do not do is have another god before God. And if he's going to follow God, he must put God first. And therefore, he's encouraging his family to put away the strange gods. Okay? So what do they do? They obey him. They put away the strange gods. Now, later on, uh, after they put away the strange gods and changed their clothing, by the way, 
that's, that's uh, synonymous with washing in the Bible. It's another thing. If I had the time, I'd give you a whole study on baptism from the beginning. In the Old Testament, no one's baptized. The reason why no one's baptized is because the word baptism does not exist in the Hebrew language. Everybody's baptized in the Old Testament who was a believer. But the word baptized was not used. What was used was wash and cleanse. What was used? That's why David said, wash me and what? And cleanse me for my sins and my iniquities, right? Okay. So they understood that if you're going to come to God, you must be clean. You must be what? You must be clean. Now, how do I know that? Well, uh, later on, when God appears to the Hebrews... Yeah, to deliver them, let's turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, look at verse 22. Exodus chapter 3, verse 22. Notice what God says to the Israelites. Exodus chapter 3, verse 22. Notice it says, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. In other words, go and ingather. I know we don't do ingathering now any longer. How many churches still do ingathering here in Michigan? Okay. Uh, those churches that, not, that are not doing ingathering, you're missing a blessing. Ingathering was the only time when all of our people were required to go door to door. And somehow that got killed, which stopped the movement of lay involvement. Okay. But anyway, this is the first incident of ingathering. The people of God were to go to the Egyptians and borrow. And what? And borrow from them what? Jewels and raiment. All right. In other words, put the clothing on your kids and get all the gold and silver you can get. So they did that. And so this was a repayment for the 400 years of slavery that they had not paid the Jews for the services that they had rendered. Okay. Now, what's interesting is this. In Numbers 31, verse 50 and 51, the Israelites gave jewels to the erecting of the tabernacle. So that which they gathered out of Egypt, God then used to build the sanctuary. sanctuary. All right. You remember he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. So what was used was... That which they brought from, the, from Egypt, the jewels, the silver, the gold, etc., were now being utilized to build a temple for God. Do you think God had plans ahead of the game? Yes. All right. So, now, however, the, the sad thing is that people began to uh, put on the jewels on themselves. So, notice what God says to them. Are you there in Exodus 33 now? Exodus 33. Notice then that, that the people are told what to do concerning their ornaments. Exodus 33. If you're there. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned and no man did put on his what? Ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up, up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy what? Ornament. That ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. 
And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. So, if God was to deal with them, what were they to do first? They were to strip off their ornaments. And if you happened to be an Israelite in those days, and you heard God say, take off that ring, what, what would you do? You wouldn't say, no, no, wait a minute, Lord, my grandmother gave me this ring. You understand what I'm saying? What would you do with it? You would take it off because the Lord said, you better take it off. Then I may know what to do with it. And there was no fussing with the Lord then, right? So we see then that even though God allowed them to have riches, right? Ultimately, God did not want them to do what? To wear the riches, all right? So because that's what the heathens and the pagans did. They decked themselves out with jewels and everything else. Now, modesty then was something that God required among his people. In fact, even the altar that was erected, they were not to erect the altar on steps so that their nakedness be not seen. In other words, the priests were to wear long robes, but still they were not to erect their altar on steps so that their nakedness be not seen. Now, when you consider that, how much nakedness can you see under a robe going up the steps? Ladies, can you see a lot of nakedness when somebody going up the steps with a long robe? No. So, here's the point. Here's the point, guys. God has made us the, what you would say, the most beautiful thing that he could create besides the animals and everything else. Mankind was the, uh, the apex of his creation. Okay? But God also had principles for that creation. He wanted them to live in a way that they were modest. That they were what? Modest. And that they were clean. That they were what? Clean. You've heard the term modesty, and you also heard the term cleanliness is next to godliness. Okay? So, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that God constantly wanted them to be washed, to be clean, be washed, be clean. Now, uh, as we continue on then, uh, later on, God uses uh, a symbol that usually is used by people who promote jewelry as this is speaking about jewelry. But in reality, what God is doing in this, in this particular uh, verse of Scripture is that God is telling the Jews that he took them out of Egypt and they were naked and he dressed them with jewels and tapestry and all that. In other words, he, he was addressing the church which was symbolized by the tabernacle which was decked with jewels and raiment, etc. You understand what I'm saying? So this is sometimes misused by people or misunderstood by people saying, well, God gave them jewels and dressed them up, and it says there. But in actuality, it's speaking about the tabernacle. What's it speaking about? The tabernacle. Because God compares a woman to a comely and delicate virgin. Okay. All right? Now, let's continue on through the example of Christ. We know then that Christ did not wear jewelry. Is that true? Well, yes or no? But how do you prove that? Huh? Wait a minute, wait a minute. When, when he was on earth, he didn't have any stars in his crown. So how do we know that Jesus did not wear jewelry? 
Turn to that chapter, chapter 19 of, of John. John chapter 19. And I want you to notice verse 23 and 24. John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24. This is speaking about the crucifixion of Christ. When Christ was being crucified, there were four soldiers there at the foot of the cross. And they decided that they would divide his belongings between them, correct? Yes? But when it came to the only piece of quality material that he had, which was his tunic or his robe, what did they decide to do? They decided to cast lots or to cast dice for it, right? To gamble for it. Who it would be. Now, here's the question. Why didn't they rip it in four parts? Because it was not valuable in four parts. It was valuable in one part, right? All right. So, question then. They cast lot for that which was single, correct? The other parts they divided because there were enough parts for everybody. But the single unit, they decided to cast lots for. So question, did they cast lot for his ring? No. His necklace? No. His bracelet? No. Why not? He didn't have one. He didn't have one. Okay. Now it's clear from the Bible that there were ladies who supported Christ in his ministry. Is that true? And so, even though they, have, they had access, because even from Herod's court, there were people who were supporting Christ. Chusa was supporting Christ, and she was from Herod's uh, clan. Even though they had access to all this stuff, yet Christ himself did not use it. The only thing that he had of value was his coat, his tunic. Other than that, there's no, no gambling for anything else. Now, let's continue on here. So when the soldiers gambled for Christ's belongings, there were only clothes. There were no jewels. God wants his children to focus on what? The inside, not on the external display. Matthew 6, 28 to 30. Apparently, God made jewels to adorn the earth with beauty to admire. So, actually, I'll let you take a picture once I finish because I'm... Okay, now in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16 and 24, through 24, you find a picture when the church was in apostasy. When the church was what? In apostasy. In apostasy. And it, it reveals then that the church was in apostasy by the way they were adorning themselves. By the what? By the way they were adorning themselves. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16, it gives us a whole list of the different things that the people were wearing. Which means then that they were into a lot of fashion in those days. We're not the first to get involved in fashion. I remember when I first went to church, my first appearance in church, I have to confess to you, I wore my showbiz best. I, I mean, I went with my best. I had a ring on every finger. I had a Tom Jones shirt, which was open down to the belly to show how much you are. And it had, it had bloomer sleeves, you know. And my pants were bell-bottom, hip-hugger, right. rainbow right. color. So I went to church like that, and I've discovered that I looked like a Christmas tree to them. Right. But I, I looked around and realized I was the only one that was out of place, okay? And, uh, 
They were kind, they accepted me. But I remember feeling so out of place, I kind of shrunk down into the pew. You know? So, uh, and what's interesting is that when I, when I went home, finally, and I had the conversion experience, not only did I give up my, my uh, music, but I looked at my hands and I saw these rings. I had a ring on the thumbs and on every finger. And I thought, what am I, what am I doing with this stuff? And I just plucked them off my fingers and threw them in the garbage can. Now, I have to tell you, I had no Bible studies. It was simply conviction of the Spirit of God. Because later on, when I studied the Bible, I then began to realize the truth about it. All right? So, in Isaiah chapter 3, you can see a long list. Are you there, folks? If you look at the long list, this is not speaking about Israel in good condition, but Israel in bad condition. And it starts in verse 16. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with strength forth, uh, stretch forth necks, wanted eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and tinkling, making a tinkling with their feet. So obviously these girls wanted attention. What did they want? Attention. attention. Then it says, Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their cowls and their round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets, the or ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets, the earrings, the rings of the, and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel and the mantles, the wimples, the crispin pins, the glasses. By the way, the glasses were see-through dresses. See-through uh, dresses. Uh, just like today, uh, more and more women are, are getting this uh, stuff that you can see through. Some, some of them wear pants underneath, etc., but you can see through the dress, right? So anyway, it says, it says and the fine linen, the hoods, and the, and the veils shall come to pass, and instead of sweet smell, there shall be stink. Instead of a girdle of rent, instead of well-set hair baldness, Instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. And so God then reveals that the people, the, the, the nation, had turned all the blessings that God wanted to give them so they could be a blessing to the people. They had turned them inwardly for themselves. And the Lord then said, okay, all that you are using to show how gorgeous and how beautiful and etc., etc., is going to go away. And then it says that, uh, you know, it would turn to nakedness. And the sad thing is that what happened was that when the other nations attacked them and took them captive, the women had to take up their dresses and hold their dresses up as they, as they were parading in front of mobs of people to see their nakedness. So, unfortunately, what God was saying was, if you don't follow my counsel, you'll end up suffering from these other things that will happen. Okay. Yes, ma'am. She says in Revelation chapter 3, the Bible describes sin as nakedness. She's speaking about clothe thee with. That thy nakedness be not seen. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, in other words, that when God's people turn to sin, frequently speaking, they're naked. They're what? Naked. And God wants them to dress with the righteousness of Christ, so the covering of the righteousness of Christ is to cover up their nakedness. Now, uh, let's continue then, because in the New Testament, then, you find 
uh, also statements, the apostles taught modesty and the simplicity of the dress. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, let's go to that. We're getting close to 3 o'clock. 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, notice what it says. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, which the shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, which becometh women professing godliness with good works. All right. Then uh, Peter himself also addresses this question. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, that this is a practice of old. Of when? Of old. In other words, if you look at Peter, First Peter chapter 3, 1 to 5, especially uh, it says, Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating of hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorn themselves, being subject unto their own husbands. In other words, obviously, Peter is pointing back to the past, to women who were godly, and he says that the women who were godly did not adorn themselves with the outward, but rather with the inward. Does that make sense? Okay? So, uh, we can see then that in Revelation chapter 12, then, there are two women, uh, chapter 13 and chapter 12. Uh, pardon me, 17 and 12. In chapter 12, a woman is close with the sun, represents a faithful church, and the sun is S-U-N, and in Malachi it represents Christ's righteousness, or his, his covering. Then there's another woman, and she's clothed with purple and decked with jewels, which represents an apostate church, which is interesting then, that God then uses adornment to represent that which represented apostasy, and represent and uses the lack of the dormant of that which represents faithfulness. So you have an unfaithful woman decked with jewels, and you have a faithful woman who doesn't use the jewels. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it says that she has a crown of 12 stars, which represents what? The 12 apostles. All right? So you, you have then uh, two women. And then, this is something that I was struck with uh, later on as I was studying the subject, that Lucifer is the only being that is made with jewels. Who is it? Lucifer. Lucifer. Every precious stone was recovered. Is the only being that's made with jewels. Which means to me, what I was struck with was this thought. Could it be that since he was the one that was made with jewels, that he's tempting people to emulate him. Before his fall, he was made with jewels. But it doesn't mean that he didn't continue with the jewels. So what I'm saying is, is it possible then that he's tempting people to emulate his appearance rather than the meek and quiet Christ who did not wear jewels? When the Jews expected the Messiah, they expected him to come as a ruling king, dressed like a king, attired like a king, with authority of a king. But Christ came as a root, as a what? Root, so that no one would, what? 
will be allured to him because of his beauty. In other words, Christ did not want the physical appearance to be that which drew people. He wanted his character, his love to draw people. Correct? But in the world, for example, when you look at television, you see people who are famous, usually ladies like to attire themselves with what? With ornaments and uh, etc., correct? And uh, the more they conduct themselves with jewelry and etc., the more pretty they seem to be. When I was in show business, I can remember uh, a stark reality. There's a lot of those people who were coming to the clubs at night. At the nightclub, the lights were always dim. How many of you used to go to the nightclubs? Any of you? All right. So the lights were always what? Dim. And the people who went in there were always decked with? With paint and all that. And many times, uh, I discovered one time, I was in, in the nightclub, uh, ready to perform, and these gorgeous women walked in. I mean, gorgeous women. Uh, teased hair and all that, you know, etc. Uh, jewels and all that. And uh, when I went to talk to one of them, their voice did not sound like a woman. You understand the rest of the story. Okay. So. Early RuPaul's. Anyway. The things of life. But what's interesting is, what's interesting is that those people, those people in their minds thought that these things made them look beautiful. Okay. So the exterior is what people seem to focus on, but Christ wants us to focus where? On the interior. All right? That's what makes people beautiful, what they are like in the heart. So you can see then why it is that God does not want us to follow the examples of, for example, Jezebel. The scripture uses Jezebel as an example of what we ought not to be. Correct? Rather than what we ought to be. And so, the, the saved eventually will wear what? Will wear robes. Read uh, Revelation 3, verse 4 and 5, 8, 18. Somebody want to read that for us out loud. Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, 5, and 18. And you'll notice the emphasis that Christ gives. And it has to do with overcoming. What does it say there? Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, 5, and 18. What does it say? People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Isn't that a beautiful promise? So the one that does what? That overcomes will be closed with what? White raiment. So if he's going to be closed with white raiment, it means that in the kingdom, uh, we will then return back to the original. Because in the original, the jewels were on the ground. In the new beginning, the jewels will also be on the ground. Yes, sir. Crown. And also, I know in the Spirit of Prophecy, she says in great controversy, 
that when we are in the new heaven, we shall cast our crowns at his That's feet. correct. There's, so a dif- a There's a difference between having a crown and wearing jewelry. The, the reason for the crown is because we have become kings as far as he's concerned, right? But it's different because if you look that at the Bible, it only mentions a crown that we will wear, but all the other stuff is where? The jewels will be the foundation of the city. The, the walls will be made of what? A transparent gold. The, the gates will be made of pearl. pearl. So all the precious jewels, etc., will be there for our admiration. And so, if the Lord is going to give you a crown, then wait until he gives it to you. <laughs> and I believe, I believe that he'll give us all a crown representing that we have conquered and have become victorious. But there's no mention in the Bible that besides the crown that we'll wear any other thing than a robe of righteousness. And in Revelation chapter 7, it says that we are clothed with white, white garments. With what? White garments, okay? Which is the righteousness of saints. So, jewels will not be on the people, but on the wall, the streets, and the foundation of the city. And so, in all the pictures that Mrs. White has of, uh, of Jesus, she always sees him as John saw him. John saw him clothed with a gown to his feet and his waist with a girdle. Which was uh, what the white, what the white, uh, pardon the high priest would wear uh, in the Old Testament sanctuary. So he is not shown with earrings, and she is not shown with other things. And by the way, today people are putting earrings everywhere. Isn't that true? Uh, I mean, I see people, and I feel sorry for the people because I remember the ox. They used to put a ring around the ox and draw it. And now you have young ladies, attractive young ladies with this, you know, ring in their nose. And I think to myself, I wonder if that lady understands that she's, that she's allowing herself to be treated like an ox. You know, and then I ask them, you know, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. But I don't ask any more questions than that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the tattoos, the Bible says we should not mark ourselves, correct? And so the tattoos, they pay thousands of dollars to get tattooed, get the arm all painted up. And I think to myself, you know, if those people were converted, would they want those things on their arms? And the answer is no. The sad thing is that obviously the enemy is doing everything he can to disfigure the image of God in man. And God wants us to come back to his image. And that can only be done through Christ. And when Christ dwells in the heart, he leads us to simplicity of walk, simplicity of dress, simplicity of what we think, simplicity of how we eat. Everything about the life of Christ leads us to simplicity. And I find that more comforting I remember when I was in show business, 
trying to always show off with this ring or that ring or this thing or that thing, the clothing, etc. People were just constantly at war with one another by what they wore, how they could show off and all that. And I'm so thankful. I come to this camp meeting, for example, and I, I don't know about you folks, but I rejoice in seeing people who come because they desire to know more about God. Amen. They come because they desire to be more like Him. And, and uh, you know, I haven't seen one fight. In show business, every night there was some battle going on. People get drunk and fight with one another, etc. I haven't seen one fight here. There may be someone, somebody fighting someplace. I haven't seen them. Have you? No. no. Yes, sir. I have been in many places. I don't wear a wedding band. Okay. But wherever I go, I immediately begin in my service to talk about my beautiful wife, my lovely Amen. wife and all that. Okay. And I do that on purpose. I want to set out a signal. I'm very content. <laughs> okay. I'm very happy with my, with my wife. So what happens? I'm in Poland, and I'm talking about all, you know, my wife, etc. And this woman wants, wants me to visit her. So I thought, okay, so I took my translator with me. When I got there, she told the translator, I don't need you, I can speak English. Okay? So he left and left me there by myself. So anyway... I'm sitting in this apartment with this lady, and I made sure I sit across from her, you know. And then she proceeds to tell me that she makes herself available to the priests, and if I want, she can make herself available to me. All right? Now, I could have been wearing a ring around my neck. You understand what I'm saying? And it wouldn't matter one iota. You hear what I'm saying? And so here's what I discovered. In show business, women would go to the clubs, and they would take off their rings and put them in their bags and did whatever they wanted to do. Then when they went home, they put the rings back on. Men would do the same thing. The reality is that my wife was a concert master in New York City, okay, in the symphony. And uh, she didn't wear a wedding band. And my wife is a very attractive lady. Uh, and she was even more so when she was younger. Okay. Don't say that. You know, the way we, 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 well, we grow older, you know. We, know. Don't well, say that, though. Well, it's okay. She we're might. told to remember the bride of I mean, you know, so my wife was always a very attractive lady, and she was very, very talented. I mean, she, at 19, she was a concert master in New York City, all right? Um, and she didn't wear a wedding band. And one time, somebody... Uh, Somebody whistled at her. And I thought the problem was that her skirt was a little too high, you know, over her knee a little bit. And I said to her, honey, you need to lower your skirt, you know, because we need to be a witness. So my wife said to me, I'm not lowering my skirts. And I thought, I'm her husband. She's not obeying her husband, you know. <laughs> and so, so uh, later on, we're walking down the street and somebody whistles again. And I came close to her, and I tucked her skirt. And she said, go ahead and pull it, and you'll really give him something to look at. <laughs> so I could not get that girl to understand. You know, I thought, well, we're witnesses. We're, you know, we're our brother's keeper. And, and, you know, you're tempting these guys to whistle at you and all that. And you're a pretty girl. You know, no matter what I said, it didn't seem to. Okay. 
So one day I decided, I was having a devotional, and I was struck to the heart about, I was trying to be the Holy Spirit, you know. I was trying to force her to see my way. And I repented. I said, God, forgive me. But I said, God, you're going to have to tie my tongue somehow so I don't say anything to her ever again about how she dresses. So I come out of the bathroom, what does she have on? A most prettiest dress. And she says, how do I look? Great. Because <laughs> I promised to the Lord that I would never say anything again about the dress. So, are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I decided, and I told her, I said, honey, I'm sorry. All this time I've been trying to pressure you to see things my way, and I realize I've been wrong. This has to be your own experience between you and the Lord. So I'm, from now on, I'm not going to tell you how to dress, period. So, a few weeks later, she came to me. She was crying. And she said, I was studying, and the Lord spoke to me that I've been re rebellious against you. And she said, honestly, I just thought you had a, a jealousy problem, and I was not going to submit to your jealousy. But she said, God revealed to me that it didn't matter what, the, what your problem was. I had a problem. I was being obstinate, not willing to consider your feelings. So she said, forgive me. And she said, from now on, she said, the problem is we don't have any money. I was in the army at the time. She said, we don't have any money. I said, look, honey, if you want to lengthen your dresses, God will provide. And God did, all right? Then she's wearing long dresses. She, she, she's pregnant. She looks like a battleship, okay? <laughs> and we're walking down the street, and what do you suppose happens? Somebody whistles at her. And then I realized, what did I realize? That it doesn't matter. You just have to carry yourself in a way that lets people know that you are not available. If you're married, you are happy and content, and my wife has done the same. So even though she had some challenges at times where people wanted to you know, talk to her, one guy said, how can I get acquainted with a lady, young lady like you? My wife says, I'm happily married. Oh, I'm sorry, he said, I, I didn't see a wedding ring. She said, I understand, but it gives me an, uh, the opportunity to tell you about my Christ. Amen. All right? So anyway, uh, I think that we all have to have an experience of the Lord and have a reason why we believe what we believe. What do you say? Yes, ma'am. But you see, what I'm, what I'm saying is the problem is that there are men who look for women who are married right. so that they can do whatever they want to and they don't have any responsibility after that, okay? We live in a wicked world, folks. That's the reality. And so if a person feels that they must wear something, then don't make it an issue, okay? But, but it doesn't mean that God does not want us to have a certain direction. His ideal is what? His ideal is for us to reach the standards of heaven. And so if we shoot for that, we'll be happy. But in the meantime, as we're reaching there, we hope that we'll be supported by others who will not criticize us if they see us wearing something that they don't think we ought to be wearing. Because that's where the problem comes, being judgmental against people for wearing this, wearing that. All right? Let's pray together. Yes.
Thank you. Praise the Lord. And I hope that you study more and more and more. There's much in the scriptures. And as I said, the more I study, the more I see, and the more I realize I haven't seen. And so let's continue by God's grace to press on to study and to make sure that our faith stands alone on the Word of God. Father, thank you so much for your mercies, for your Word, and for all that you reveal as your counsel. Help us to stand firmly on that which has been inspired by you. And Lord, may nothing move us from our position. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.